0: Six circles of relationship formed around Jesus in his time on earth. In the outermost circle, there were the crowds, tens of thousands of people curious to learn more about the prophet from Galilee. Next, the 5,000 who journeyed out from their villages in desperate need of something from Jesus. Then the 70 who served Jesus' ministry. They wanted to do something for him. There were the 12 who Jesus called to leave their jobs and the worlds they knew to follow Him. Then Peter, James, and John, who fully embraced the joy of Jesus as well as His sufferings. And finally, the one, John, who sat beside Him at the Last Supper. He listened more closely than any other and recognized the Savior when no one else did. What can we learn from these circles of relationship about how we can get closer to Jesus today? Jesus is always calling you closer. When Jesus first approached me that day, I assumed that he had just another short assignment in mind for me. Maybe he wanted me to visit another town to prepare for his coming or something. But no, this call was something entirely different. First of all, this was not a short-term assignment. He didn't want me to just take a leave of absence. No, he wanted me to make a whole life commitment. From this moment, I had one task, one purpose commanded by his two unforgettable words, follow me. We are in part four of this series, and as we've been progressing along, we are now looking at the 12. And for those of you that have not been a part of it, I'll just give you a a quick review on this and uh, let you know that we're at a day today that the stakes are higher okay? The stakes are higher. This is one of those ones where we're we're crossing over to another level of depth in our relationship with God, and uh, it's a sticking point. So uh, we're using the book, uh, The One Jesus Loves by Robert Crosby, and seeing how he just took a look at the Gospels and took a look at the life of John and saw how John said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm that close to him. There's a, a relationship there that has a, a oneness to it, like I'm there at the one. And so we've looked at the crowd, the 5,000, the 70, now today the 12, and of course we'll have the three and then the one. Um, we talked about in the crowd that people hear, they hear the message, and they just, they, they're listening to what Jesus has to say. And uh, a crowd is a great place to start, not a great place to finish. And I challenge the church to be bringers to be bringers, to bring people. And I'm praying that you'll do that. I'm praying that you'll bring people, that you will realize, man, I'm going to bring people to the crowd, whether it's an event, uh, whether it's a church service. I'm going to bring people and let them be a part of that. And then at the 5,000, Pastor Darren preached and said it's about receiving blessings from God. He said it's about the feeding of the 5,000. And there's something. People start following Jesus. And you know what? He does things for them and he gives them blessings, but it's not just about the blessings. You want to love the blesser and not just the blessings, okay? And then we talked about in the 70 that we serve and we work and that we actually get out there and do something, and uh, I love that we were able to talk about serving and working and saying, hey, I'm not saved because of these works, but because I'm saved, I want to work for you, And I pray that if every pastor or leader taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, where are you serving? Where are you working? you're not like, I'm opting out of that one. You're like, no, I'm not serving. I want to serve. This is the next step for your spiritual growth. It's the next step for you to get closer to Jesus. And I love that we said you could serve in a general way, like cleanup day or just serving around the church, just in a general way, or gathered way where you say usher, greeter, welcome center, tech, band, whatever, in a gathered way, or in your area of expertise. And uh, I will say this: We've been flooded with people that are doing uh, different things in the tech world. I said the term "quant jock." People didn't think it was real. It is, and they are expensive. Okay, so. (laughs) But I had people come up to me in the lobby afterwards. One guy came up to me and said, "Hey, um, uh, I'm a programmer." And um, I said, "Hang on, I'll get you to the other one of the other guys on our team that does that." And they started talking. He said, "What do you program?" And I think he said. ASI, and he's like, no way, you're an answer to prayer. And they hugged, and that was really awkward for computer guys, you know, and it was just like a moment. And, but I'm just telling you, I love what God's doing, and if you have your gifts and talents, we want to utilize them to advance the cause of Christ, give meaning to that expertise. And uh, this is interesting. The doors are opening, and I'm not at liberty to share about this, but uh, I had an opportunity to go to Google and uh, meet with them. And there's another opportunity to meet with another company that's one of the largest companies in America. They heard about the way we're integrating tech with our church, and they want to know if we want to be a beta site and everything. So be praying for that to work out. I I just am amazed at how God is using uh, things today to just reach more people. So the main point of that, though, is work and serve, whatever it is. Florist, uh, mechanic, quant jock, wherever you're at, use your expertise to serve. We do that. Now on the 12th. This one separates really the men from the boys, the ladies from the girls. This is one that has a heaviness with it, okay? And and I want you to understand, every step that God calls us to is better than the last step. Every step is better. I know sometimes people will say, like, well, I, I don't want to do that, because if I step up, then the devil's gonna attack me. So I'm just gonna stay here and, and not do anything for God, and then the devil won't attack me. Wrong wrong way. The next step is the best step. The obedience is always right. There's There's a depth that comes to this. So don't shy away now that we're moving past the 70 and we're getting down to the 12 because for a lot of people, this is what I would call a recycle spot. You get to this spot. You hear the message. You receive the blessings. You start to work for God. You get to the 12 where he says you're going to up the commitment. You're going to step up to another level. People don't like it, and they recycle back to the crowd. So there's a little bit of weight on me as I preach this this weekend and realizing that I know that for some of you this is a pushback moment, but I believe that God has positioned our church for this moment right now. It's not a pushback, there's a lean in. And I've been praying that there'd be a wave of obedience to step to the next step and not a wave of resistance. And if you're with me here in at all the campuses, I want you to say amen. There's a wave, amen, all right? Matthew 16, this is our text, starting in verse 21, and I'm going to read uh, several verses here, but verse 24 will be our main one. It says, from that time, Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him. Never, Lord, He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. The twelve represent leaving and following. Leaving and following, that we're going to leave things behind and we're going to follow. They represent that we're going to take up our cross that we're going to not deny ourselves and we're going to move forward. Again, this is the step that kicks people back, because it's something that you live in every day. Uh, Luke writes in Luke 9:23, when he talks about how Jesus said this, that you need to take up your cross daily, daily. It's not a one-time deal. like I took it up, I did it, and I'm done. All right. It's a daily struggle of of denying yourself and taking up the cross. And that's why people get stuck here. And I remember this, that I started a a recovery group at our church, which was interesting. I've never done drugs. I've never been drunk. And then God tells me, to um, start a recovery group, and so I went and just went to AA meetings and different things, and I've shared it before, but I went to my first AA meeting, and, you know, when they're going around like, I'm John, I'm an alcoholic, welcome, John, you know, I'm Sue, I'm an alcoholic. They got to me, and I said, I'm Rob, I'm glad to be here, and they're like, welcome, denial, you know, like, you know, that's how, they, I was. I was in, you know, so. But I noticed this, steps one, two, and three are repeated over and over and over again for a lot of people. They get to step four, and they get stuck, There is something about moving forward, whether it's in AA or in your walk with God, that there are moments where there are just defining moments where you're going to another level. And in AA, step one is like, we're powerless. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Our lives are out of control. Then two is there's a power greater than us that we just pray that He could restore us to our sanity. We made a decision to turn our lives and will over to this, to our God, which is level three. And then step four is like, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And then number five, we admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the things we did wrong. And a lot of people get stuck. They can't go there. They can't go to four and five, but such as even five steps, there's 12. And I want to say this, that as we get to the 12, don't stop here. Grab hold of this. Realize there's a progression that God works with us in this beautiful progression. I love that He says, come and see. I love that, and if you know this about our church, our front door is wide open, and we might even do some fun events that you might think, that's a little frivolous? And why do we need a pancake breakfast? Or why do we need bounce houses for that? Or why do we need to—that's just a lot of fun. I mean, the door is just wide open. We're like, come and see. We might have a marriage night. And you're thinking, that wasn't really that challenging, but it was helping people. It was a come and see moment. And the front door is wide. I love that about God. He says, come and see. And then we receive blessings from Him. And then, you know, we start to work for Him. And then He he steps it up a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And we're at one of those step-up moments right here. And we've got to make sure that as a church that we don't leave this step out. We've got to make sure that when we tell people that they can give their life to Jesus Christ, it is true they will be forgiven of their sins. It is true that they will receive heaven as their reward. It is true that God has a better plan and that he will give blessings. But you are actually laying down your life and saying, God, I want to live for you. God, I'm, I'm dying to myself, and I'm, I'm saying, you're the answer. You're my Lord and my Savior, and I'm not just going to uh, live a life that says, I, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll say yes, and, and I'll just, where's the comfort level? Where's the easy spot? I'll just take it easy. And shame on us, church, if we've kind of been explaining it to people, like, don't worry, don't worry. Just, you don't have to do the tough stuff. That's like for the missionaries. Don't, don't worry about it. We just let them do the tough stuff. Okay? We are all called to be His disciples. And when, when we're, we're in this step, we're saying, God, I, I'm giving you my yes, I'm raising my hand, but I'm giving you my life, and I understand that more will be asked of me, but right now I'm understanding. I am stepping into this, and I'm saying, Jesus, I'm in. You've got me. So church, don't, don't get recycled. Don't, don't look for, like, man, a I was just looking for an easier thing. Is there an easier way to do this? Is there just a stay still moment? Because rarely do people get to this spot and then just go back to the 70. It's like they get to this spot and if they don't keep moving forward, they tend to move back to crowd almost. It's the saddest thing I watch as a pastor where they get to this level and God's asking for more from them. And when you stiff arm God in this moment, you just don't move back like one step. It's like you move back three steps. So I'm asking you to jump into this and say, God, I'm going to grow closer. If the next step is there, it's the best step, and that's the one that I'm going after. So this is a step of of leaving and following. And we're saying, I'm moving forward. This is my spot. And for some of you, this is a a spot that's been frustrating that you've, you've not moved forward, and this is your breakthrough moment. God wants you to be His disciple. And to be a disciple, I love what Robert Crosby says. He says this about discipleship and being God's disciple. He said, discipleship is a lifelong process where we are continuously made more and more like Jesus. How many want that? I want that. I mean, I'm in. If if discipleship is moving into the circles and being more and more like Jesus, that's what I want, and I want to have this intimacy with God. I want to get to that level of loyalty, of sacrifice, of the confidence, of of moving ahead, of the calm that comes there that just lands on my life, and I realize, man, I'm following at a closer level. I've moved closer. F.R. Maltby said this. He said, Jesus promised his disciples three things. Number one, that they would be completely fearless. Number two, that they would be absurdly happy. And number three, that they would be in constant trouble who's in? I'm in. I'm in. Now in our text, Matthew 16, 24, um, I, I want to go through this and kind of digest it, because what does it mean to take up our cross? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to get to this level of following, of self-denial, of taking up the cross? And I'm just going to break it apart uh, bit by bit. In, in verse 24, it says, whoever wants to, or some translations say, if any will. Once you understand if you're going to get to this level of following Jesus there's a want to that has to kick in There's a desire. Man, this this implies, the way that it's written in the Bible, it implies an all-in moment that you know that you're stepping across the line, that you're really following Him. You're not playing a game. And the best I could liken it to is is if you're swimming and there's a a cold pool and maybe your kids are in the pool and they're saying, jump in the pool, jump in the pool, and you you test the water like, oh, that is cold. And you're like, okay, I'm jumping in. One, two, three. Oh, and then you don't jump. One, two, three. And you don't jump. One, two, three, come on. Or maybe you're standing in the water. You're like, I'm going under. One, two, three, and you don't. One, two, three, and you don't. But how many know there's a resolve moment where, you know, this time I'm not kidding. This time I'm really going under. This time, I know I've, I've, I've false started a couple times, but this time I'm really, there, it's that moment. And that's the level. It's like I have resolved that I know what's ahead of me and I'm jumping. I'm going for it. I want this. This is what's next for me. And I'm not backing down. I'll never forget this, when I was a a teenager that Rich Wilkerson was preaching around the nation, not Junior, his father, Rich Wilkerson Sr. was preaching, and he was doing a youth service, and it was called, I Want the Cross. I want the cross. Do you want to stand for Jesus? Are you in? How far are you? If you're a teenager and you're just... Playing around with God. It's time for you to go all out for God. You need to want the cross. And he gets down to the altar moment. And at the very end, he goes, in just a moment, if you want the cross out in this place, you are going to scream, stand to your feet, and you're going to scream, I want the cross. And my heart was racing. Like, I'm going to do this in front of everybody. It was all kids from youth group. I shouldn't have been so afraid. But the enemy fights you like, you don't want this. This is a big step. This is a big step. You don't want this. How bad do you want? Are you, I don't know if you really want this. And I remember when he did one, two, three, and everybody said, I want that cross. I want that cross. I, I just feel like there's a resolve that has to come in your life that says, I want this. I want to draw closer. I want a closer relationship God, with God. So whoever wants to, if any man will, You've got to will it. You've got a desire to get closer to Jesus in this way. And then it says, You will be my disciple. Some verses say, Come after me. Being his disciple means that he's your Lord, your master, your captain, your ruler. It means he's in charge and you're not. Okay, so if you have the will to say, I want to follow closer, no, you are in charge. You are Lord. You are over me. I mean, it's interesting. I noticed in my soap journal that I address God as Lord almost about 90% of the time or more. When I write out my prayers, which if you're not doing it, Scripture Observation Application Prayer, we do that as a church. It's on the website. I'll, I'll actually write out my prayer, and it's Lord. It's all Lord, Lord, Lord. And I, have a, I had a coach that was helping me uh, make a purpose statement for my life and he said, what term do you address God as? And I, I looked at my soap journal, and I said, Lord. It's like every day, Lord, 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 Lord. And so I came up with this, and so my purpose statement says, as an adventure with the Lord, I exist to walk by faith in tune with his heartbeat, devoted to my family. I'm a catalytic heart leader who enlightens, inspires, provokes, and equips a local pastor teacher with a global reach, especially in missions and leadership development. But it starts with, I, I'm an adventurer with the Lord He's over my life and and it feels like I'm on an adventure. Like if you say this, I'm doing it. If you say that, I'm doing it. Now, trust me, I've prayed like Lord, I'd really like to do this. I've given him suggestions. Doesn't always listen. Yeah. Works on me. But he's my Lord. I'm his disciple. And so I'm coming after him and I'm saying, you're in charge. And he says this, Jesus says, if you're going to do this, whoever wants to be my disciple is going to have to deny themselves. We don't like this part. Yeah. I like listening. I like blessing. I even like working. Okay, feels good to work, especially if you're on a team or everything. But now to, to deny myself. And the way Jesus says it, it's not like partial denial. It implies utter denial. Like, you're just denying. You're like, it's not about me anymore, Jesus. It's about you. It's not half-hearted. I'm not going to follow you from a distant. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I, I know my self fights denial. Again, Luke says you're going to deny and take up the cross daily. Daily. How many know that self comes back every morning with a fresh restart? And it says, you know, you worked really hard yesterday. Let somebody else do it. I mean, come on, don't take it so hard. And, and, and Jesus will whisper to you, the Holy Spirit will whisper, here's what I want you to do. And it's self-denial. And how many know that we kind of want to take it under advisement? I was in a youth or in a life group at our church here. And I was sharing about commands that Jesus says we should do in our life. And uh, there's a, a lady in, in the life group. And she's, I told her what Jesus said that we should do, and she goes, she looks at me and she goes, I'll take that under advisement. And I'm like, no, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Like, not me. I didn't. I did, Jesus said it. Like, we can't do that. Like, he's Lord. Like, it's not under advisement, okay? I mean, we all hate denying self, and we don't even realize it, but I read that stuff beforehand. Peter hates denying self as well. His idea of Messiah was conqueror, ruler, strongman. And so in the exchange, right before Jesus says this, Jesus is like, I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to come back from the dead. They don't understand it. And Peter's like, nope, nope, nope. There's no, like, we're not doing this. There's no cross in your future. Jesus, not the plan. Not the plan my Messiah is not going to suffer. My Messiah is not going to die. My Messiah is the one that's going to make other people suffer. And like, wrong plan. And you can imagine that. And then Peter's looking for a shortcut, and Jesus is like, no, it's the cross. We have that exchange of, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, let me just unpack that for just a moment. Um, I believe this, that Jesus was tempted, we see in the, in the Bible, Jesus was tempted with three shortcuts. The Bible tells us the devil was tempting him and saying, hey, if you turn these bread, if these stones to bread, if you bow down and worship, hey, you could have a shortcut without the cross. And Jesus resists that and says, no, I know that I'm going to the cross. And the devil leaves him. And the Bible tells us he departed until an opportune time. I believe that opportune time was right there with Peter. He's like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna, how many know that if you ever have the courage to tell somebody something that's really hard to tell them and then they don't react the right way, it's are like, no, no, you gotta hear me out. No, you gotta understand, wrong. This is what I have to do. And so it was an opportune time then because before Jesus was being tempted by the devil, now he's being told by a friend, no, there's no cross in your future. There's no denying, don't do that. Don't, don't take the tough road. And he's like, no, no. And he rebukes him, and he's like, get behind me, Satan. And, and even though there is a strong rebuke there, it's beautiful that Jesus is like, get back in line. You're attacking God's plan, but get back in line behind me and listen to what I have to say. Stay in alignment with God's plan. We're not doing your plan. And I'm going to tell you this, when it comes to denial and denying yourself, there's going to be forces, there's going to be influences, there's going to be powers, there's going to be people that are going to fight against denying yourself. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. You've got to say, I'm going to listen to you, God. It's your voice. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening. And when God's saying things that you don't like and your flesh doesn't like, you keep listening and you keep obeying. Like doing surgery on the church right now. All right. Denying ourselves means saying yes to God, yes to God, yes to God over and over again. And flesh will say, I don't want to do that. And you got to say, yes, yes, it's about you, it's not about me. And then we take up our cross. And I want to be very clear with this, that when we take up our cross, we are picking something up. And I, I asked for a cross up here, and, and I, I love this cross. It, it was uh, on some wall in the church. We took it down. And do um, you notice I picked it up? I picked it up. When we take up our cross, we, we pick up the assignment from God. And I want to be very clear about what taking up our cross is not. Like we say, well, it's just a cross to bear, okay? If, if you have a sickness that comes upon your life, that is not a cross to bear. You didn't pick that. Yep. Does that make sense? That is a thorn. That is a struggle. That could be an attack. That could be all sorts of things, but it's not a cross. A cross is picked up If you have an addiction, well, it's my cross to bear, I fight that addiction. No, that is a struggle, that is a battle, that is character development, that's a test, it's all those things, okay? But a cross to bear is something you pick up. You may say, I got a bad marriage, it's my cross to bear. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's a bad marriage that we'll pray for help. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. It's a thorn. It's Okay, here's a cross is when you pick up something that you know the world is going to hate. The cross represents I'm doing something for the glory of God, not for myself. The cross is something that I pick up and I say, I'm standing when others aren't standing. It's your cross to bear, It's your cross to bear if you're standing for God at that military base or that workplace or in Hollywood or in the North Loop, and you're standing for God when others are living for the devil, and you stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you take the mockery, and you take the attack, and you take the vitriol from these, that's picking up your cross because he despised the shame, and he said, I'm going to be obedient to the Father, and and even though there's going to be scorn, and, and I'm doing something that people would say, it's a horrible death to die on the cross, I'm picking up the cross, and I'm doing this because I love you, and I know they don't understand it, and I know they're attacking me, and I know they're hurling abuse at me, but I'm picking this assignment up. That's what it means. So we'll pray for your thorns and by all means, go to the prayer teams. But when it comes to picking up a cross, sometimes it's something you're, you're saying no to a, a luxury or something that other people will enjoy. And God says, not for you, not for you. Your assignment is over here and you can't resent. Like, well, what about them? How come their assignment is so much easier? Man, just pick up your cross. It's, you're not going to give account for their cross. You're giving account for your cross that you have to pick up. The cross represents obedience that surrenders and says, You're in charge, and I dethrone myself and enthrone you. That's what it means to take up your cross, that you're living a life that says, Jesus, it's for your glory and for your honor, not mine. The cross is representing, it represents suffering, and we don't like hearing that. How many know that pain? We're like, I'm not, I don't like signing up for pain. Oswald Chambers said this in My utmost for His Highest, he said, Most of us collapse at the first grip of pain. We sit down at the door of God's purpose. And instead of entering in, we sit down and start a slow death of self-pity. Man, when there's pain, when there's suffering, you're like, okay, I'll endure it for your sake. I'll endure it for your glory and for your honor. My time is not my own. My treasure's not my own. My pleasure's not my own. Whatever you're asking me to do, I say yes. And I say, be glorified in the sacrifice, in the suffering, in the attacks that come my way because I stand for you, but I'm standing for you. I'm doing whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to me and tells me to do. I think about that old school song, um, Father, glorify Yourself. This is way old. Father, glorify Yourself in me, whether pleasure or in pain, or my life I give You rain. Father, glorify Yourself in me. Lord, however it is, pleasure or pain, You just glorify Yourself in me. I don't want to resist the cross. I want to carry the cross. Because when I carry the cross, when I carry the tough assignments that God gives me, when I pick it up, when I stand up for him in places that it's dark and I have to stand up, when I take the shame, when I sacrifice, when I'm willing to be sent, when I'm willing to do whatever he says, you know what, that, means, that shows the world like I'm living for a God that rules my life, not for a God that I've just made in my own image. Man, there's a God that I'm serving and he has authority over me and I say yes to him. So I'm praying that when, as as we wear crosses, that it's not just jewelry, but it's actually a way of life. I pick up the hard assignments. I volunteer for this. I desire this, God. I desire to live in a way that says, I want to be close to you. And being close to you means I'm going to have to pick up my cross. I'm going to have to deny myself. And I'm not living for self anymore. I'm living for you. That means I'm going to live different from the world they're gonna they're gonna mock me, they're gonna challenge me, but I'm gonna live different than the world. Now it's beautiful. Then Jesus says, like basically, the people that are living this way, those people are really living. There are other people, they're just existing. Man, if you opt out of this and you don't wanna take up your cross, you you're existing, but man, the people that do this, they're living. They are living for what? And there's an intimacy there. There's a strength there. There's a confidence there. You pray different when you get there. There's just a a level of living that's different. You sleep different at that level. There's a level of obedience that just flows out of taking up your cross and saying, God, I'm living for you and not for me. And as hard as it may seem, I love the way the message version simplifies things, and so I'll make this very simple for us, how we can live this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Thank God He's helping us. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Man, I can do that. I can take my everyday ordinary life, my waking up, my sleeping, my eating, my going, my whatever, and I can give it to God as a living sacrifice. And I'm praying that we'll embrace the cross. We'll embrace that sacrifice that He's called each and every one of us to do. And we'll say, God, I embrace this. I step to that next level because I know the next level is my best level. So God, I just pray right now that we would do that. I pray that we'd get one step closer. I do believe there's many in our church that have been here for a long time and and we've loved you we've listened we've we've been blessed by you we've even served you faithfully but there's a level now that you're calling us to and instead of saying no 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 not me i pray instead we'd say here my i send me here my i send me my answer to you lord is yes if i'm gonna leave and follow i am all in the answer is yes help us jesus to say yes Help us to make you Lord and Savior. Help us to take up our cross. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.